to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Good morning, church. I hope that you are sensing the presence of God this morning. And I'm so glad that we can worship together. You know, the Bible says this, that he is enthroned in our praises, that as we turn our hearts towards the Lord in worship, as we sing, as we lift our hands, uh, as we express really the worship that is in our hearts, uh, that we are uh, lifting up God above everything else. Or, Or maybe I should say it this way, we're recognizing that He is above everything in our lives. And so I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what challenges you're facing, but I pray that you sense the presence of God, that faith is rising in your heart today. And so I want to pray for you as we prepare to come around the word this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word says where two or more are gathered in your name, God, that you are in the midst. And so, Lord, we thank you that even as we are gathered digitally today, or Lord, perhaps gathered in house church, gathered with our family, Father, we thank you that more important than where we're gathered, God, that we are gathered in your name. And so, Father, we thank you that you are with us. Lord, we pray that you would stir faith, expectation, God, a sense of joy. I pray, Father, today that you'd release burdens, stress, anxiety off of people. Father, I pray that uh, faith would fill us, God, with great expectation for all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. So, so good to be with you, to see you today. Uh, I know you think, see me? What are you talking about? No, I can see you. Trust me, technology is pretty advanced. I'm looking at you right now. Uh, No, I'm actually in my heart. I'm looking at you. I see you all. I'm preaching to you. Uh, I see all of our families and house churches and all of the groups and individuals gathered together. And I just want to say, I love you, church. Uh, I'm so blessed that we can be together today. And so um, we're so glad that each one of us, uh, each one of you have joined us today. And uh, again, if you're new with us, welcome. Uh, We're so glad to have you apart. And we as a church are really a community more than a YouTube channel, a Facebook page, some digital uh, platform. We are a community and uh, we are going to be gathering in person next Sunday, kicking off a new season. And uh, we're going to begin gathering bi-weekly. So that's next Sunday, March 7th at the Winter Park Community Center. I want to encourage you, plan to join us. Uh, We are going to begin meeting bi-weekly there at the Winter Park Community Center. And uh, of course, that is not our final step. It's really the next step moving forward. And we have some exciting things that we want to share with you and that we will be sharing on that day. So I want to encourage you, plan to join us, clear your calendar, whatever you have to do, join us on March 7th. And uh, then we will start that bi-weekly rhythm, okay? So March 7th, then March 21st, then April 4th. That's Easter, okay? So we're going to have an Easter Sunday service at the Winter Park Community Center. And I think everybody will get in the rhythm after that, okay? So just remember, March 7th, 10 a.m., Winter Park Community Center. And uh, we'll send out some reminders to you. Well, if you have your Bible today, why don't you grab it with me and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26, and we're going to continue the series that we've been in, our vision series, really setting the direction of where we're going, the the, the framework for our vision for this year. 
And uh, we are using the, the theme, Keep Open House. And I've been sharing with you uh, that, you know, as we were entering this year, I, I was praying and seeking God and uh, about our next steps as a church and really praying, God, how do you want us to move forward? Yes, we, we want to be together. We want to be back together, but we also recognize the value of community and relationships that are being built in house church. We also value the opportunity we have to reach more people online. God, what are you calling us to? And I just felt like the Lord said that he's calling us to do all of those things. And immediately I had four uh, words uh, or spaces kind of drop into my mind, this picture of a house and four spaces, the porch, the family room, the table, and the bedroom. The porch is the public place where we meet our neighbors and and interact with uh, the people around us. The family room is the place that we gather as a family, creates that sense of togetherness. Uh, The table is the place of community, the place where we're fed and cared for, where our needs are met. And that's really in the context of a small group and a house church gathering. And then there's the bedroom, which is the intimate space, alone with God, as Jesus says. And uh, today, I want to continue by speaking to you about the family room. The family room, that space of togetherness as a family. And I don't know about you, but so many memories for me growing up happened with my family in the family room, spending time together. And I believe that God wants us as a church really to follow the pattern of family. We are God's family. We're not an organization, uh, ultimately. Uh, We're not, um, you know, just a uh, organizational structure. We're a family united in Jesus Christ as as children of God. And so uh, I want to look at just one verse today to kind of springboard out of that uh, thought of gathering as a family. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 26, Paul here is giving teaching on spiritual gifts. And he says this, how is it then, brethren? Notice that family language, brothers. He doesn't say co-workers. He doesn't say associates. He's using family language. How is it, brothers, sisters? Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Now, I encourage you to read the whole context of this verse. And if you're familiar with it, you know that Paul is given teaching about spiritual gifts, about how we are to operate in the gifts that God has given to us. But I want you to notice these, this phrase, whenever you come together, whenever you come together, all of the teaching that Paul was giving on spiritual gifts was not just to individuals, it was actually in the context of a church gathering, a church, a local community, getting together, meeting together for worship, for teaching, for encouragement, for prayer, for ministry. And I I believe that this shows us that churches need to gather. Churches need to get together. In fact, uh, we could say it this way, that God's gifts are released when we gather. And so Paul says, whenever you come together, last week we talked about the importance of a table, gathering together with a small group of people. And we saw that Jesus feeds us in groups. But I want you to see here that there is something that happens unique in the context of a church gathering where the the whole church comes together. 
And just as it is important, dare I say, essential for every follower of Jesus to have a small group of people that love them and care for them and look after them, it is also essential for every follower of Jesus to be a part of a local church that gathers regularly. And I love this phrase, when you come together, and the, the language, the original language that Paul was writing in, the word is Sinerokamai. Let me try to say that word again. Sinerokamai. Okay, my Greek is a little bad today. I need to practice that more. But you get the idea. And it's actually the root word. I, I did practice that before this message, by the way. But it's actually the root word of synchronize. So Paul's saying whenever you come together, whenever you synchronize, he's saying the church, you've got to sync up together. Now, Paul is revealing to us something about the nature of a church gathering, that there's something that happens. There's a, an activation. There's a, a transfer of life that happens in the gathering. That word, sinerokamai, uh, it means to gather together, to come together, to go together, to meet, to assemble. And it even is uh, a word used for marital relations. Okay, and, and so the idea is not just some people that happen to show up at the same place at the same time. It, it, it is uh, showing that there is a transfer of life. There is a relationship and there's something that happens. As in a marital relationship, there's something that's conceived. There's a, a unity that happens. And so I want you to understand that a church gathering is not just people showing up because that's what we do. It's religious routine. No, I want you to understand that a church gathering is, is a dynamic, active work of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, Paul says it is important that we get together. And I, I want you to understand at this time where we uh, you know, are following social distancing and all of the protocol and requirements, and we have learned some unique ways to gather. We're having things on Zoom, morning prayer meetings on Zoom, marriage course on Zoom, church online. I want you to understand that we still need to gather. God's people get together. God's people get together. Why? Because we're family. We are family. Just as much as we have our own natural families, when you come to Christ, you've been adopted into a family. And so we need to get together. God's people get together regularly. Jesus gathered regularly with God's people. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, that Jesus went to the synagogue as his custom was on the Sabbath day. So Jesus, as a Jewish worshiper of God, gathered with God's people weekly uh, in the synagogue, the place where they gathered to worship God. This was the pattern of the early church. They gathered, and I talked to you last week about gathering in homes, Acts chapter 2, verse 46, that they can, said they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. That's the New Testament pattern. Groups in homes, house to house, and gatherings. So church can never be just a building that we go to once a week or once a month. We need to gather daily in homes. There needs to be a sense of community, but we also all gather together. And there's something that happens. We sync up when we gather together. I know even in this season, there can be this sense of we're just out of sync with each other. 
I've not seen so-and-so in a long time. Where, where are they at? I wonder how they're doing. And, you know, this word of coming together, this concept of gathering together is essential for relationship. Married couples need to sync up. You, you've got to come together. You've got to be together. You, there, there's an impartation of life and a sense of unity that happens when we come together. And so God's people gather. But notice what he says. Whenever you come together, each one has. Each one has, he says, a psalm. That means a, a song, a spiritual song, a song of worship. Somebody else has a teaching. Another one has a tongue, a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Now, Paul was talking to a church that they were so hyped up on spiritual gifts that when everybody came together, it was like Christmas Day at my house. Nobody wants to wait for anybody else. I'm just opening my gift right now, and it's chaos. And Paul's saying, hey, uh, I, I want it to all be done decent and in order for the edification of the whole. But notice he doesn't say, don't use your gift. He says, when you come together, each one has something, has something to bring, has something to bring to the table. One person has a song. One person has a teaching. One person has a revelation. Um, Another person has a tongue that gets interpreted and becomes a blessing to the body. Uh, now, this is not the full list of spiritual gifts. We know that Paul in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 lists additional gifts. Uh, Ephesians lists additional gifts. Romans chapter 4 lists additional gifts. And I don't think there is an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts actually in the Bible. I think it's actually anything that the Holy Spirit does. But Paul is giving us an insight into what happens when we come together and how we should gather. That when we come together, when we sync up together, we don't come just to get, we come to give. Let me say that. The purpose of a gathering is not for you to get, but it is for you to give. Paul says, when you come together, each one has a song, a teaching, a revelation, a word of encouragement, a, a, a faith, um, a, a greeting for somebody who feels lonely. Everybody has something to bring to the table. I want you to understand that church is not um, just, you know, a restaurant that you consume at. It's a potluck that we contribute into. It's a spiritual gift exchange. That's what makes church gatherings exciting. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a gift exchange. I would assume most of us have probably had a Christmas white elephant gift exchange. Uh, I'll never forget my fifth grade class Christmas party. We had a gift exchange, white elephant gift exchange. I had just moved back to America from England, and that was my excuse for ignorance on anything that I didn't know about. And I remember there was this white elephant gift exchange and I was really excited, super stoked on getting a gift. I just didn't get the gift exchange part. I didn't understand that I was supposed to bring something. And so there's 25 kids in the class and 24 of them brought gifts. And I remember us going around, everybody grabbing a gift in this one kid uh, in the class that didn't get the gift, didn't get a gift. And my teacher uh, surveyed the class and said, there's 25 kids in the class, there's 24 gifts. Who didn't bring a gift? To which I said nothing. 
And uh, I'll never forget that. Here I am a number of years later, and I am still remembering the time I went to a gift exchange empty-handed. And here's what I want you to see is oftentimes that's how we come to church, how we gather with the church. We gather to get rather than gathering to give. And it's like coming to a gift exchange empty-handed. Paul says, when you come together, let each one have something to offer another. You, you never underestimate the impact that you make in the life of another person when we come together. And so if you have grown distant in this season, I'll tell you this, there's some people that have grown distant, disconnected, out of sync in this season. And you think, well, it doesn't really matter. Let me tell you, it does matter. It does matter. Even if it doesn't affect you, it affects the body. That's why the author of Hebrews says this, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That synchronizing, coming together as is the manner of some. He's saying some people have just stopped getting together. And he says, I'm encouraging you, you need to get together. Now, there's many ways that we should gather. We, we, we gather online, we gather in person, we gather in small groups, we gather in homes, we gather, uh, we're going to start next Sunday again, gathering together, all together as a church family. But notice what the author of Hebrews says. He says, when you come together, consider one another. Consider one another. He, the author of Hebrews, he or she, we don't know, is repeating the same thing that Paul said. It's not about you. You don't come to a gathering to get. You come to give. And here's what I believe the scripture is wanting us to understand, that it is really the principle of maturity. The principle of maturity. That everything that has life... Uh, grows into maturity. And, you know, plants mature, uh, animals mature, humans physically mature, and spiritual life is no different. God wants you to mature. And when we are young, everything is about us. But as we grow, Paul says, I, when, I, when I was a child, I acted like a child. I talked like a child. But now I've put childish ways behind me. I've matured. And I believe God's desire for every one of us is not just that we're born again, but that we grow to maturity. Maturity is part of our DNA. Things that have life mature. And when you mature, you recognize that life isn't just about you. Why? Because it's in our DNA. You know, this morning I woke up which is good. It's a, I'm still alive. I woke up this morning and shortly after I had spent some time with the Lord and my family began to get up, um, Clara, our, our youngest, came out of the room and she had her little baby in her arms. And she was upset because the baby's hat had fallen off. And she said, Daddy, help, put, help me put my baby's hat back on. You know the crazy thing? is we never told her, you need to play with babies. We never, you know, uh, encouraged that. There's something in her that she just loves to nurture. She loves babies. She loves animals. She just loves anything that's smaller than her. And she just wants to be a little mommy to all of it. Why? That's in her. It's in her to want to nurture, to want to care. 
And as she grows, I have no doubt that if God gives her natural children, which I pray he does, that she's going to love being a mother. Or perhaps, uh, and just as important, spiritual children. There's something that's imparted into the life of another. That desire is in us. I told you last week when I was a kid, I asked my dad, Dad, do I have to move out of the house someday? He said, no, you don't have to move out. You don't have to, but one day you'll want to. And I wanted to, and I did move out. And, you know, the irony is when you're in the house, you always feel like, man, I can't wait to get my own house. When I have my own house, oh, it's going to be so good. Life will be easy. I'll have my way. And here's what I've realized is that is not the case. In fact, uh, if anything, it's harder, but it's good. It's a part of life. It's a part of maturity. And the same is true when it comes to our spiritual life. You know, Clara loves to say to me, Daddy, I'm not a baby. I'm a big girl. I'm not a baby. I'm a big girl. Why does she say that? Because she's longing to mature. And I want you to know that when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, He deposits the DNA of Christ into you. You've been born again. Paul says, I labor until Christ is formed in you. And I want you to understand that when that DNA is deposited into your spirit, you're born again. The most natural thing in the world is to live for others, to love others, to serve others, to care and contribute for others. If anything, Church culture has to dumb down the DNA of Christ that's in you. Church culture and consumer culture teaches us just to sit. But the work of the Holy Spirit will always propel us to serve, to love, to care for others. One of the earliest signs of somebody truly being transformed by the Holy Spirit is they want to serve other people. I'm thinking about my friend Mike that just in this COVID season, gave his life to Christ through Alpha Online, came down, we had the chance to baptize him, and he's been serving in our church from New York. Uh, He's helping in so many ways. And and he said to me, he said, I just want to give back. What's he saying? God's done something for me. I don't want to just be a consumer. I want to be a contributor. I don't want to just be a taker. I want to give to other people. And I want you to know that's the way life works. That's the way family works. That's the way the world works. You know, communism as an economic um, arrangement will never work because anytime you have more output than you have input, you get bankruptcy. And the same is true in a family. If all you have is everybody take, 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 and people are not giving, ultimately uh, it it will uh, bankrupt the family. It'll bankrupt our own heart and soul. And yes, we all need to be encouraged. Yes, we all need to be strengthened. Yes, we all need to be fed. But Paul is saying this, that when you gather, the real beauty of the gathering isn't in what you get, but in what you give. And so I want to give you some ideas today. I just want to contrast a little bit. I introduced the idea last week of the difference between between being a spiritual dependent and being a spiritual provider a spiritual dependent, and a spiritual provider. Now, I should have given you a a disclaimer at the beginning of this message that this message is probably rated PG-13, not because it's explicit, but because it will grow you up. 
This is not for spiritual babies, okay? This is for people that are wanting to grow to maturity. And so I want to give you some ideas and just some statements that you can evaluate your own heart. Evaluate, am I, am I a dependent or am I a provider? Am I growing into maturity? And so here's some things that you can recognize. If you're a spiritual dependent, here's some things that spiritual dependents do. Number one, I only meet my needs. I only meet my needs. This is what a spiritual dependent says. What do you have for me? What do you have for me? What, what programs do you have? What things do you have going on that I can get? What do you have for me? But a spiritual provider says, how can I help? How can I help? I, I think that is such a, a beautiful ministry, the ministry of helps. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the helper. And when he comes into our hearts, we want to help. When he comes into our, our hearts, we're not content to just sit by while other people serve, but there's something in us that wants to serve. I'm so amazed by the incredible people in our church that even during this season have served so faithfully. I, I want to give a shout out right now to Ross Smith. Ross Smith is a hero in our church. And, and many of you don't see him because he's often behind the cameras. He has, in this COVID season, not only navigated uh, leading a business, uh, also having a baby and navigating that season of life that he's been in, but he has served so faithfully behind the scenes. What is that? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and I love what uh, the Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 17. David was on the run for his life. And suddenly there's a group of men that come to him and they are battle-hardened warriors. They are incredible warriors. If you're running for your life, you want these kind of guys on your team. But 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 17, the scripture says, David went out to meet them and answered to them, if you have come peaceably to me to help me, my heart will be united to you. In other words, David is saying, have you come to help? He's crying out to them, have you come to help? Now, you would think he would just say, you've got some swords, you look pretty tough, come on over to my side. But he's saying, hey, did you come to help or are you coming just to feed off of this? And, and um, you know, I believe ultimately the strength of what God has for us as a church is not found in any one person. It's, come, it's through the, the partnership of many, many people working together, many people serving others. The, the power of partnership, helping together. That's why I'm so excited about our foster care ministry because there's some of us that God is putting it on our hearts to open our home, to foster, to be hospitable to a child in need. And that's the beautiful ministry of Jesus. But there's others that need to help. And so I wanna encourage you, don't just sit by, but be a helper. A spiritual dependent is, is only meeting my needs. The second thing I want you to see is uh, if you're a spiritual dependent, it, you can ask this question, uh, am I dependable? Or, or a spiritual uh, dependent would have to say, I'm not dependable. If I'm a spiritual dependent, I'm not dependable. I'm dependent on somebody else. You, so, you see, the spiritual dependents say this, something's come up, I can't make it. Uh, I'm sorry, some, something's come up, I can't make it. 
And I don't know about you, but I love that something's come up, I can't make it text. And have you ever noticed, it always comes in a text. It's never a phone call, it's always a text, and it's always general. Something's come up, I can't make it. Now, there's moments for all of us that something legitimately does come up. So we are in a spirit of grace in all of that. But there's something about being dependable. There's something about being a person that does what we say we will do, that shows up when we're scheduled and, and just fulfills what we have committed to others. And a dependent says, something's come up, I can't make it. A provider says, I'll be there. I'll be there. And I, I love in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 11 to 12, Jesus is talking to the church and he says this, Behold, I'm coming quickly. And I don't know if you feel that today, but it's closer and sooner than ever. He's coming quickly, church. And he says, hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. In other words, there's a reward that is coming. But he says, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. I love that thought. I'm going to make him into a pillar. He's immovable. He's unshaken. He's firm. You know, in a home, an architect could tell you that there's some walls and some uh, columns that are load-bearing. They carry the weight, and there's some that are just movable. And I want to ask you the question, do you carry weight? Are you dependable, not just in church, but in relationships? Can you be counted on? Are you dependable? I believe God is calling all of us to be people that carry weight. It's part of maturity. Why? Because you grow stronger when you carry weight. And part of growing and maturing is just taking responsibility, even within the church, just saying, I'll take that area of ministry. I'll lead that group. I'll lead that team. I'll fulfill that need. I'll serve others. Not because it necessarily benefits me, but because I am growing and I want to be a person who can be depended on. The third thing I want you to see is that if I am spiritually dependent, I'm always exploring my options. Always exploring my options. Don't, don't put me down. Don't commit me to anything. Don't sign me up. I may show up. I may not show up. Um, I'm just exploring my options. I'm looking around. You see, spiritual dependents say that. I'm looking around. Not really wanting to commit not committing relationally, not committing to a job, got to keep my options open. And, and I know God's will is certainly unfolding and there's seasons to life where life changes. But I think if we are perpetually looking around for a future opportunity, we'll miss the present moment. And so I, I, I believe this, that rather than saying I'm looking around, we need to say I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. I, I'll tell you this, I'm looking forward to next Sunday. I'm looking forward to seeing you. I'm looking forward to what God has ahead of us, the good things that are in store for us as a community. I'm looking forward. You can never move forward while you're looking around. You can never move into what God has for you by perpetually exploring your opportunities and your options. Let me tell you, in marriage, when I got married to Jennifer, I said, forsaking all others. And she said the same to me. There's something that happens when you just say, you know what? Uh, here I am. I won't be moved. I'm not exploring my options. I am committed. I'm committed. We've committed to not say the D word in our house. 
You know what that is in marriage. We don't say it. Why? We're not exploring our options. We're looking forward and we're looking forward to everything God has for us. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says this, Let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let us run with endurance. It's easy to run. The question is, can we endure? Are you enduring this season? Are you continuing to run? Let us run with endurance the race set before us. The imagery is of a sprinter in his lane. And sprinters don't change their lanes. Can you imagine if, a, if Usain Bolt was running along and decided, you know what, I think I'm just going to switch to this lane, to that lane. How many of you know he wouldn't be the world's fastest man because he wouldn't be moving forward. He'd be moving back and forth. And the Bible says this, that the double-minded man, the one who's always keeping his options open, not committed to any relationship, not committed to any community, not committed to any calling, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. So how about you? Are you exploring your options? Or are you committed? Are you looking forward to what God has for you? I'm looking forward to the years ahead. I'm not just looking forward to the months. I'm looking forward to 10 years from now. Where will God have us? 20 years from now, whose lives will have been impacted? What's the impact that we can make as a community? Why? Because we're not exploring our options. We're not switching lanes. We're, We're running the race set before us. The fourth thing I want you to see, if I'm spiritually dependent, is this. I'm never reaching lost people. I'm never reaching lost people. Spiritual dependents say it this way. The church should grow. The church should grow. Notice that language. It's the church's responsibility. The church should grow. Well, in Newsflash, we are the church. You're the church. I'm the church. We're the church. And so a dependent says the church should grow. A spiritual provider says I'm bringing a friend. I'm bringing a friend. And that's how the church grows. I don't know if you're aware of that, but the church grows by friends bringing friends to Jesus. And I want to encourage you to be thinking about who can you bring to Jesus? We are launching Alpha Online this Wednesday night. And I want to tell you, it's never been easier to bring your friends. All they have to do is click a button. Let me tell you, people have never needed the gospel more than they do right now. People are depressed, exhausted, fearful, afraid of death. And certainly it is heartbreaking, the the lives that have been lost over the last year. But let me tell you this, the death rate is hovering right around 100%. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, we're all going to die. Okay, and I I know that may sound like I'm saying it very cavalier. I'm just saying we need the hope of Jesus. We need the hope of Jesus. And so we need to bring people to Alpha. That's why I love Alpha. It's never been easier to bring people to Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 5 says that we should be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. You thought an evangelist was a person that traveled around preaching in churches. That's not what an evangelist is. An evangelist is a person that goes into their workplace, that that treats people like Jesus, lives in a way that people ask, why do you act that way? Why do you speak that way? Why do you live that way? And then they say, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. God's changed my life. God's given me a hope, a future, a purpose, a destiny. I believe God's calling every one of us to do the work of evangelism. The fifth thing I want you to see is if 
If I'm a dependent, I'm ruled by my emotions. And I've got to move quickly through this. If I'm a dependent, I'm ruled by my emotions. A spiritual dependent says it this way. I'm not feeling it. Uh, that's not my song. I wasn't feeling worship today. It didn't have the right set list. Didn't have the right song. I wasn't feeling that message today. I wasn't feeling the vibe. Didn't give me all the feels. <laughs> that's what a spiritual dependent says. A spiritual provider says, I don't have to feel it because I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it. I'm not waiting for the worship team to play my song. I'm bringing worship. I want to encourage you as we gather together next Sunday, don't wait to feel it. Bring it. Don't, don't be a thermometer. Be a thermostat. Set the temperature. I love what Paul said to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 2. He said, your zeal has stirred up the majority. In other words, uh, your, your fire is spreading to others. Let me ask you the question. Are you a fire starter? Are you igniting other people? Or do you have to allow other people to warm you up? In worship, does it take the third song before you enter in? If you're not spending time with Jesus during the week, I'm telling you, you're going to be about a fourth song, fifth song, sixth song sort of person before you'll enter in. But if you've spent time with Jesus, if you're praying, you're joining together, even in pre-service prayer, when we come into worship, you will enter into the presence of God immediately. You're not ruled by your emotions. The sixth thing I want you to see is if I'm spiritually dependent, I'm easily overwhelmed. I'm easily overwhelmed. You know, we all can face things that can be overwhelming. We can all have the tendency to be overwhelmed in this season. And, you know, a spiritual dependent is easily overwhelmed. Their mantra is, it's a lot. I've got a friend that he kind of says that, you know, how you doing? Oh, it's a lot. What's going on? It's a lot. And he says it jokingly, but, you know, there's people that are like that, that regardless of what's happening, it's a lot. And I want you to know, yeah, life is a lot. There is challenges in life that can be overwhelming, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so if we are constantly overwhelmed, it may be that God is trying to use those challenges to strengthen us. And so a dependent says it's a lot. A, a provider says it's my pleasure. Have you ever been to Chick-fil-A? It's my pleasure. Try saying to them, it's my pleasure. It totally confuses them. But if you're a provider, it, everything is not, it's a lot. I'm overwhelmed. Serving, caring for others, it's a lot. It, it, there's something in me that says, you know what? It, it is a lot, but it's my pleasure. Being a parent is a lot. Being a friend is a lot. Being an adult is a lot. <laughs> but it's better than the alternative. I'm glad to be in the place I am. And that's why the psalmist says that we should serve the Lord with gladness in Psalm 100, verse 2. So are you easily overwhelmed or are you serving the Lord with gladness? And the last thing I want you to see is that if I am spiritually dependent, I only receive teaching from others rather than from God. I'm not being taught by God. I only get my revelation secondhand. I'm like the baby bird that has to have the mama bird chew up my food first. And, and I love teaching, and there is such a need for teaching in the body of Christ. But the, the challenge that we have in the church today is not a deficit of information. It's a deficit of maturation, of growth and maturity. And, and a dependent says this, I'm not being fed. 
Have you ever heard somebody say that? I'm, I'm leaving this church. I'm not being fed. I was really encouraged when I got to spend some time with Pastor Jack Hayford, who is a teaching legend. He wrote the Bible commentary in my Bible. And I was really encouraged when he said, I have people that have left my church and say they're not being fed. And, and of course, there's value for teaching. I want to do everything I can to teach and train and help and encourage you. But the greatest encouragement that I can give is for you to spend time with the Lord, for you to find a way to study the Bible, whether you use the SOAP method, or inductive Bible study, Bible in one year, audio Bible, <laughs> the Bible app, whatever you use, get into the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12, the author of Hebrews says that you ought to be teachers by now, but you need somebody to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. The picture he's giving is of a person that should be eating steak, but they're still on their mother's milk. And there's nothing more beautiful than a baby uh, eating and feeding and growing on the life of his or her mother. It's a beautiful thing. But if that baby is seven, eight, nine, 29, it's not a beautiful thing. And I believe God wants us to not just receive from others, but to receive from God's Word ourselves, to learn how to get into the Word of God so that when we gather as a church, we're not stumbling in starving. If you only eat once every seven days, you're going you're gonna to be malnourished. You need to eat daily. And you need to get into the Word of God daily. Why? Because God's plan for you is life to the full. And you'll never live life to the full if your goal is just to survive. God's plan for you is to thrive. And so I want to encourage you to move from being dependent, if you're a dependent, to being a provider, to grow, mature. Maybe you're at a place where you feel like, man, I'm not sure that I can mature. I'm overwhelmed. We want to encourage you. We want to help you. We want to come alongside you. But here's what I want to say in closing is that God loves us where we are but he loves us en enough not to leave us where we are. I love my children. And because I love my children, I want them to grow up to be everything that God has for them. Paul said to the church in Galatia, I labor until Christ is formed in you. That's my hope. That's my goal, my desire for you. As we gather next week and as we begin to regather, I'm so glad that we can be together. But here's what I want to say to you. God has a lot more for you than just being a churchgoer. He wants you to be a world changer. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your people. Thank you, Lord, for every person that's listening today. And Lord, I pray you'd stir us up, stir faith in our hearts, expectation, God. I pray that as we begin regathering, God, I pray we would be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, let our gatherings be dynamic. Let them not just be dead routine, but Lord, let them be alive with your presence, with your power. Father, because we are your people filled with your spirit, every person operating in our gift. I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do through that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, church, so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take some time to meditate on this word, even to discuss with others what God is speaking to you. Also, we have an opportunity tonight to, to really respond to this. We have a team family night happening tonight on Zoom. If you've not plan to join us already. I want to encourage you, plan to join us. We're going to be talking about all the different roles and ways that you can help and be a part of our 
gatherings as we're restarting next week. So go to ocparkdistrict.com slash events. There'll be a link there that you can join us for our team family gathering tonight, Sunday night at six o'clock and also next Sunday, 10 a.m. at the Winter Park Community Center. We can't wait to see you then.